0: So I dropped in on a Zoom call you were on. Yes, you did. Well, you invited me, actually. I, mean, I did invite for like you. 30 seconds.
1: Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Wednesday nights is my Newman Club meeting. I'm a chaplain at Westminster College. Mm-hmm. And the way we've been doing things with the COVID, uh, every other week we're going to do a Zoom meeting. And then the other weeks we are meeting uh, outdoors. So we're going to do that for as long as we can. But... Uh, the meetings are from eight to nine, usually. And uh, you popped in to do the podcast. And I was like, hey, come say hello to my
0: college students. Do any of them listen to the podcast? No, they don't. So they don't. why should I care about them? That's a good question. Um, why aren't I'm, you doing your job and, you know, shoving this down their throat? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's like an
1: awkward thing. Sometimes we'll talk about stuff. And I was like, oh, we did a really good podcast episode on that. But I don't want
0: to be that chaplain, you know. Absolutely be that chaplain, <laughs> especially during lockdown stuff. Like they need your wisdom each and every mm, day, right? So, uh, indubitably. Uh, the one podcast they have listened to,
1: some of them, they've listened to the Spicy Nugs podcast. So, <laughs> that shows you <laughs> what their interests I'm are. I'm
0: starting to question their Catholicity.
1: That's, that's totally my fault, not theirs.
0: <laughs> so, but I noticed something. Yeah. There were a lot of women. On the Zoom call, correct. Is this normal for your? That's college? the
1: majority. The majority of my uh, Newman Club are ladies. Yes, correct.
0: So, and, I, and I mean, my I mean, my experience generally too. I mean, there's always going to be guys involved, but they definitely sure. tend to be in the minority in university ministry. It tends to be, um, it's very rare to see a male majority in a university unless it's like a a male only college or something like that. Sure. Which, yeah. Um. So, but this is my thing. It's like. Don't guys see this as, like, an opportunity to meet a future wife?
1: Uh, yeah, that's the thing. They're all wonderful ladies. They're all pursuing their faith. They're all lovely and wonderful. This is a missed opportunity for the guys on campus. Not to be weird, but just to meet meet nice uh, girls and talk to them and see what happens from there. Flirt, then convert. <laughs> it's so dangerous <laughs> but uh yeah it's been uh, it's been neat though because we've been getting a lot of uh, freshmen who have been interested i think uh the students are just looking for stuff to do cuz a lot of the stuff they could do they now can't do right um but yeah absolutely
0: so yeah this is the thing it's like i always noticed this like when i was in university or sorry, college for the americans mm-hmm. um it it it's like yeah there is a lot of there's a lot of great faithful catholic ladies and if you're a th- great faithful and normal cool chill guy yes. university is a fantastic place to meet a future spouse in sure, fact yeah. i know many people who met their future spouse because of university yeah and it's like dudes what's what's up what's up what's up no absolutely uh and
1: uh, you know, well, I mean, it's weird because you don't want to, like advertise that, right? Like, hey, look at all the ladies there in Newman Club. That would be illegal. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's funny because uh, literally this is the reason why I did two things in high school. It's why I w- wanted to be involved in youth group and why I was involved in theater. Um, now the Lord <laughs> took me down a different path, and I'm very yep. happy with that. But exactly. part of me is like, why is not every guy do this? This is what well, this seems like the obvious choice to me. Uh, exactly. But hey, you know.
0: Actually, for me, in many, in many ways, I could even say that university, being part of university and chaplaincy on university helped purify me in a good way to have a healthy relationship with women so that when I entered priesthood, because like, we always talk about this, just because you become yeah. a priest doesn't mean attraction is gone and stuff like that, right? So it actually was a good thing. It's like I it taught you how to be around women in a beautiful and normal way and and to deal with those questions about vocation in a yeah. good environment. And actually university is a great time for that. It's, it's really, Absolutely. for me, it, it's interesting. I don't know. For me nowadays, I think in some ways, young adult ministries is the most important ministry we can do in the church in terms of like generational outreach. Sure. And because really this is the time now that vocations are discerned. Mm-hmm. And the big questions of life are asked. So it's a good ministry. I'm actually, it's weird. Cause like, I'm grateful that you, I'm glad that you're getting able to do your stuff with them. I, I, had, I know some of the students are going to VIU this year. I'm uh-huh. chaplain there, but the whole campus is digital this year. They're not doing on, ca- course, on campus wow. courses. Yeah, that makes it tough. So I don't know what I can really do. I'm just accepting that I can't do anything yet, which is tough, yeah. but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I am Father Harrison.
1: I am Father Anthony, and I don't normally do this, but I'm going to shout out uh, one of my parishioners and listener to the podcast, uh, Alex. Hmm. He invited me over to uh, his place, his uh, parents' place, and uh, um, there were a few guys there, and it was a wonderful evening. Nice. We just s- smoked cigars, had a few drinks. We talked about uh, hunting, about bees, about parish stuff, but it was all very delightful normal stuff which was great. Awesome. Um so I was super super thankful and um uh, uh they're, they they kind of hope to maybe open that up more and like bring in some more Knights of Columbus guys and you know do a little community kind of action. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was great. Alex has great taste in cigars as mm-hmm. well as uh beer. Yeah, but here's and, the thing. Uh, yeah. Quick
0: quick 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 opposition. Okay. Americans have no access to Cuban cigars.
1: This is true. This is true. It doesn't mean they don't have
0: access to good I, cigars. I can go to any cigar shop here and just buy a Cuban.
1: Yeah, well, we know that, that the Canadians have no problem with that because they're communists anyway. So <laughs> that's exactly why they, they're in the cahoots okay, with quick, uh, the regimes quick, that second uh, allow the aside,
0: It's amazing how many Americans actually think this.
1: They do. It's super weird. Now, I'm like, don't get me wrong. There are definitely different uh, political ideologies yes. uh, across different countries and stuff. We're not communists. But, We're not um, Marxists. We've, I've always made sure that you turned off your um, Russian national anthem before we started recording because I just don't want other people yeah, to Yeah. I took
0: down the sickle and hammer before we started. Right? Yes, you, you're right. like, hey, you might want to take that down. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Exactly. And, you know, instead of icons of Jesus, I've got icons of Marx and Lenin hanging around the church. The yeah, if you, you know, know this. <laughs> if you know this. It's required. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. So, he, um, so it's like he was just trying to just get a few guys of the parish together.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just didn't, he just heard that uh, I enjoy hanging out on the podcast. He's like, hey, I am a parishioner. Come hang out with us. And it was really it's, good because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, um, get uh, you never know because I've had interactions with with parishioners where. They try to um and I don't know if they know they're doing this, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they're just try- trying to like get information or or clout from you, and mm-hmm. that's miserable, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. We talked about parish stuff, but we were just talking, you know mm-hmm. um, like I'm not opposed to talking about what's going on in the parish with the parishioner um that's different than a kind of manipulative sort of thing so it was just a really and i had a it was a rough day and so i only planned on like hanging out there for an hour but we stayed stayed for like two hours and it was just a great time awesome
0: Um, how did you guys watch the canucks game
1: uh we did not watch the canucks game why not uh because we're not communist i guess because that's the so the
0: penguins are communist
1: ooh crap I walked right into that one um think fast uh
0: yes I finally got him folks I finally got him it happened it finally happened
1: listen I think it's been pretty obvious that even my attempts at being interested in sports have failed but they have started up again because uh fantasy football has has sort of begun there's a group of priests in uh Pittsburgh uh, and we had our fantasy football draft, and that was a delightful time. So I will slightly care about football uh, so, coming up here.
0: But here's the question. Isn't a draft by nature communist? Because isn't it about giving equal chances to everyone to have the top players and then the second tier? Like it's That's pretty communist to me. Yeah, it can be. I guess you can say that,
1: but it's not like um you get equal players for equal people because for, like me who has barely any idea of what he's doing i might not pick the same player who got, that Someone who else got else
0: patrick else. mahomes uh,
1: who did i don't know it wasn't me you want um, patrick mahomes he's yeah i was in the, i was like in the middle of the snake draft okay, uh, that yeah. being said i did do slightly better because i got some help uh i have a coach a fantasy football coach so i had like a sheet and everything <laughs> and i was trying to make my moves and uh, so that made it slightly more fun uh, so, yeah, and it's just good to hang out with a bunch of other priests. Right. And that's, oh, exactly. That's the reason, that's like, the reason there's you There's a few guys it. who just auto-draft. The reason yeah. why they're in the league is so we can have a party at the beginning yep. and a party at the end.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So,
1: But we have one more thing to, to talk about before oh, okay. we get into the media things um, that uh, I feel like mm, either we need a clarification or apology. I think you might try to clarify. I might try to apologize. Okay. Last episode... I said that we've only had one repeating guest on the podcast, okay. Sister Teresa. And we were informed by the brethren, the, the fellow, uh, our priest friends, uh-huh. that uh, they have been on the podcast several times. Uh-huh. And I forgot about those episodes because they were so early on, but if you look back, we have a few group episodes with us and a bunch of our priest friends. And so I feel like I was personally incorrect that they have been guests on several times.
0: But so, we, you, you said repeating guest. I did. Which is singular. Okay. That was a group. And let's be honest: mm-hmm. religious sister, greater than symbol, priest. Yeah, no one denies this. But <laughs> they—they're.
1: I, mean, I just they're don't want to give Father Dan any
0: ground. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, (laughs) listeners, you decide. Have we had more than one guest on? Do the priests count as single guests or are they just family? Can a brother really be a guest? Right, exactly. We all have
0: one priesthood as priests, right? right? So, really, when you have a priest on, it's really just the one priesthood of Jesus Christ. So, you're not Mm. a guest. You're a priest of Jesus Christ. Like yeah. so here's my question to them. Are they really clericalist enough to be warranted the title of guest?
1: That's that's you know maybe that's a question they have to ask themselves. I agree.
0: So, I'm hoping you know they will I examine I'm hoping they'll examine their conscience.
1: I've already apologized once, and that, that's my quota for the year on this podcast. So maybe I'll take I'll withdraw my apology. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was gonna okay, say good. this is not. I'm glad we clarified not, that I, This is not your your standard. Fair to apologize
1: I know it's not It's not So I uh, You
0: know (laughs) Cool Well um, Let's go into the Summa Tweetologica
1: Summa Tweetologica Summa Tweetologica
0: So, the Summa Theologica is St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. This is a, this is an interesting one. I'm sure you will have it. It's actually from last year. Don't know how it ended up in my timeline. Maybe it got retweeted or something.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: this is from uh, Little Pasta Goblin at Little Pasta Goblin Planning Meme Queen. Hot take. Scrupulosity should be talked about more in youth ministry. I firmly believe that if the concept had been explained to me, I wouldn't have fallen away from the church in middle and high school. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting take. Like I, now, I will be honest. I don't have a ton of experience in youth ministry. I've had some. Not not, not ton, but I've done it myself. And, and I'm wondering, like, what is it in the teenage mind that tends towards scrupulosity? Is it the fear of... I mean, we know what... So for those who don't know what scrupulosity is, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's worth refreshing our minds. Scrupulosity is this idea like, where you're overanalyzing every action and worried that you have distanced yourself too much from God by your actions and you're not worthy of his forgiveness and love.
1: Yeah. Um, is that I a fair definition? Yes. yeah, I think that's yeah. a fair definition. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, but it's. I don't think it's so much a, a teenage mind sort of thing. I think this is a recently converted or reconverted thing Hmm. i think scrupulosity and zeal are two sides of the same coin okay that when someone begins to um it has an encounter with jesus christ has a conversion or reconversion moment uh and there's a desire to follow christ in a radically new way all that's good but the flip side of that if you don't um have good teachers if you don't have good shepherds in that you can easily then fall into scrupulosity Because in this pursuit of holiness, you begin to see even the smallest things or things that aren't sins as terrible sins. So I think that's the thing that I I
0: see. And I would say, too, I think where my experience of youth ministry tends to see is there is a deep shame around certain big sins. Sure. Right? Sexual sins, Mm self-harm, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And though when there's the deep shame, deep shame can give rise to deep scrupulosity right because it's it both are an attack on identity. So I think like in that like it's interesting because I've never really thought of that as an issue before and I am like yeah. okay I'm willing to be more open to hearing that. I've just never thought of it before. Um and she's obviously speaking to her own personal experience. And I think in that sense it's like helping helping teens understand how to like I think part of it is it's teens often don't know how to deal with their thoughts sure right your thoughts and your emotions get so mixed up when you're a teen Mm. and it's hard to discern what's going on and so how to like maybe maybe a way to talk about it is more like how to teach like discernment of spirits and and how to understand your thoughts and feelings and desires when they're happening and to address that so that the questions around scrupulosity i think get answered i don't know i i mean i'm open to the position i just never thought of this before actually
1: yeah no i like that um I think it's also important that like not everybody in your youth ministry is going to be super bought in right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I think it's important to have you know a, a core group of kids, the ones that are really uh, involved, to pay special attention to them, just because they're going to be in a different place in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So I think in general, yeah, discussing those things is helpful for everybody. Um, but taking special care to minister to those who are taking their first major steps in the spiritual life, I think is important. But I mean, just to affirm, that's something that I experienced. I had a wonderful (laughs) youth minister um, and still very good friends with this youth minister. But I remember I was going to confession every week in high school and some of that was good, but looking back, some of that was not. (laughs) And I remember at one point in time uh, going to this priest and he heard that I was going every week and he asked me like, do you think maybe you're being a little bit scrupulous?" And it took me off guard because I had never considered that. I thought mm-hmm. this was just what you do to get holy. Um, and so, that was, that was a thing that was not on my radar, but was definitely at work. Hmm. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to look back because part of that was really good. That's what opened up my heart to the priesthood. But I think I probably could have used even back then as a high schooler, something like spiritual direction. Um, so, uh, you have to wonder, yeah. it's like,
0: yeah, or like spiritual friendship of someone who's a bit more mature for like the first six yeah. months of so someone to say, okay, this is what you're going through. This is mm-hmm. what you need to step for, And then you've been matured and trained in that so that you can then train someone else, right. And be a f- spiritual friend to someone else. It's always interesting to me because scrupulosity has never been something I've been tempted towards. Mm, interesting. Uh, never. Like it's just not, I've just, I've never worried about God's forgiveness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just, it's just not. And I recognize that some people, we all have our own struggles, right? We all have things that we struggle with. So it's always interesting for me to hear that because it's actually hard for me to empathize and to understand why this is, why that's an issue. It's good, but it's also why it's good to hear like a good priest should listen to these things and take into into account because they're expressing a real lived experience that some teens are obviously going to go through and I can see it, but I have a hard time. Like, you know, there's the affective side of me has a hard time feeling it if you will
1: yeah you know it's funny because it's definitely easier for me and there's definitely more of a passion of helping people who have had similar struggle struggles that i have right like i i'm better at speaking to them because Mm -hmm. i've i've been down that road i've been in that valley i've been taken out of it you know um and it's it's it is you have to rely in a different way much more on the holy spirit when you're When someone is bringing something to you that you don't have a personal experience with. Right.
0: Um, But I think the more (laughs) you do that, I I have this urge to murder 40 people. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Spirit, come on, do your work. (laughs) Right? Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Sure, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, but it's an interesting thing because the more, I mean, you do get a kind of um, adjacent experience. Because especially in spiritual direction, you enter into a deep part of those persons' lives. So even if you haven't experienced it yourself, you do get better at it. Right. Um so it is it's a fascinating thing when you haven't like dealt with something personally, but you still have to be a priest for that person. Exactly. It's one of the uh it's a I don't I don't wanna say it's um I don't wanna say it's fun, because people's suffering isn't fun. Mm-hmm. But what makes it there's a. it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, and exciting, because you can see how God, over time and sometimes over a long time and through many difficulties, but over time God heals those people and you get to be a part of it and it 's more of a mystery to you because you 're almost um, less involved than normal right uh, and something about that is just terribly exciting because you see the love and mercy of God in those person 's lives so
0: yeah Uh, yeah i I mean this is the good thing about the church right in the end it's like when a priest is doing his his thing in your life through grace or confession or whatever it's the grace of god that works despite the goodness or the badness of the priest it's like he might not be able to empathize but he still gives you absolution and there's something freeing about that which is really cool yeah so that was it
1: cool cool this one is from Father Damien Ferrance at FR Ferentz and he says manual labor is superior to weightlifting because in manual labor one is maintaining or improving more than one's own health. And he goes on to say I'm not down on weightlifting, I was just thinking about human action and I discovered a distinction. So I am going to uh, respectfully disagree with the good father and author Father Damien Ferrance. Uh, from the Diocese of Cleveland, and I think you might end up agreeing with me. I'm very interested in this. I I would say... Take me along for the ride. So, um, his whole point, manual labor is superior to weightlifting because you're doing more than maintaining or proving your own health. You're either helping the community or building up the family or doing something like this. I would say that weightlifting is ultimately superior to manual labor because it is leisure. It is a good in and of itself. What say you, Father
0: Harrison? Oh, this is an interesting. This is an interesting... <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, huh. <laughs> yeah. First, how are you spelling labor?
1: Um, I will spell it, Uh, I believe, the way that Father uh, Farron spells it, L-A-B-O-R.
0: Yeah, you see, you've already lost me.
1: Oh, because that's it's not the uh, communist there's, spelling there's no, that you no use? You. <laughs> there's
0: no you. Um hmm. <laughs> You have a very persuasive case,
1: right? I got you on the leisure. However, <laughs>
0: however, yeah, you have to convince me that lifting weights is, by its nature, leisurely.
1: Um, I, I find it definitely leisurely. It okay, is something that is it I
0: objectively do- leisurely.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, this is actually an interesting question because can <laughs> you turn uh, leisure activities into something that is not leisure? Think about uh, learning, for example. Um, we would normally say classically speaking, learning, philosophizing, this sort of thing mm-hmm. is a leisure activity. Mm-hmm. It's something you do because of the good of its thing. But mm-hmm. I think you also see in academic
0: in the academic world a kind of turning learning into academic work. Right. Even actually Pieper makes that distinction. He yeah. actually talks about uh, in the Protestant work ethic, the idea of, of academic work rather than mm-hmm. con- contemplative thought. Mm-hmm. Right. He can, he can. Okay. So continue. Right.
1: So I think you definitely can do like weightlifting. Um, you can do it as a you know there are professional weightlifters of all kinds, and mm-hmm. there are people who go into contest contests and stuff. Um, but for me, it is simply something to do, um, because I enjoy doing it. It's a way of um, you know, as a priest. Like, we deal with spiritual issues all the time, human issues all the time, things that don't have immediate answers, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And there's something that is so satisfying and freeing about lifting something up and putting it down, of uh, doing a physical activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And... A lot of times, like, yeah, there's other stuff maybe I could do around the house if I was more skillful. And you can do that kind of labor. But that's work for a purpose other than the work itself, if that makes sense. So, I think there's a way that weightlifting is true leisure.
0: Okay. Now, let's bring in Laborum Exhortiums here from John Paul II, The Dignity of this Work.
1: This is why I brought the question to you, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, where he makes the point... That the tilling of the garden is something that man does in a creative union with God and that work in and of itself actually exists prior to the fall, not as a punishment, but as something that is part of man's dignity itself. Okay. But I
1: would say, you know, pre, before the fall, I think there's less of a distinction between work and leisure. I think work is actually worship before the fall. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's something that it's kind of like how human but, beings. But aren't we lived redeemed in Christ? What
0: was that? Aren't we redeemed in Christ? Aren't, isn't Jesus, as the father says, isn't the father always at work? And always working at me. <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> i am just—I'm um, totally just having fun with this. Let's just let's. Yeah, no, but it's
1: interesting. It brings up a lot of
0: questions like that, um, both seriously. I wonder, if uh, Father so Damien, much. recognized that this is the kind of discussion his tweet would would foster.
1: I think he's the kind of guy who'd appreciate this. Yes, this is true. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, but even in that, let's let me let me try to think about that for a second, um, because in one sense, we still live in the fallen world, right? Uh-huh. Uh, another sense, because of Christ, work can be redeemed. So even the most mundane things, uh, like having a job that you have to do, be, and you hate it, but you have to do it to support your family, mm-hmm. Christ can redeem that in a way. Right. Um, but is that redeemed work leisure, though, or is it something different? Like it's something holy. It's it's a sacrifice. So it's he, a, okay. maybe
0: this is fine. You're, you're kind of helping me. You're, know you're, you're, you're making a good point about what work looks like and, and how it looks in, in a, in a, in a kind of fallen redeemed world. Okay. This is fair. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus is right. Like the father is always at work. Cause the father is always upholding creation. God is like his being is always active. Um, <clears throat> there's never a, which is, but it's also the paradox. His being is actively in rest. Um, right. Right. So okay. he doesn't work like we work. And, and Pieper is right that leisure is the basis. But here's the thing Pieper's argument is not that leisure is the basis of life, it's that it's the basis of culture. Mm-hmm. So it's the, it's the basis of co- common living and lived expression. So you're making the argument that weightlifting actually builds up culture more than manual labor.
1: Is that what I'm saying? Well, or I'm, well, that's what I'm asking. Yeah.
0: If, yeah. if, if we're no, gonna if so, we're gonna talk about leisure as the basis or height of culture, and as an essential aspect of man, that's fine. Yeah. Is this contributing to man's commonly lived life, or is it just an in? Uh, there is such things as individual leisure, but I would argue they're not the height of leisure because, like, I know people where gardening is the leisure for them. Yeah. So this is the question: Is it are you making the argument of leisure as taste, or some as weightlifting as objectively a actual form of leisure in which we can participate in God's rest?
1: Yeah, good. <laughs> yes, interesting. <laughs> um, because I was definitely leaning towards like like weightlifting for me is a rest.
0: Okay, I can, right? I can... It is.
1: Um, I can have some uh, kind of
0: arguments, but I'll accept it for now. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and I, and, um, so I'm just, okay, this is anecdotally, but I'm, I'm just trying to think this out loud as well. Um, like, and also very much so, uh, a lot of times, um, clears my mind and clears my head. and makes me more available to prayer mm-hmm. in the moment as well. And sometimes that is a better way for me to even, uh. Uh, reconnect with God not like because I'm like trying to bench something I'm like God please let this weight not fall and kill me Um, but something about that clearing of the mind I find very um, but maybe maybe the question is okay so is leisure a participation in God's
0: rest is that what we're saying yes and that its highest expression of rest is in worship yes so then so then are you talking about that really in a way then weightlifting is what we i won't i almost want to use the phrase like manual leisure (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) if you know what i mean like it is a work yeah that is done but like are you but here's the thing the way you're even describing weightlifting Mm -hmm. is that it 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 create it's a means to an end where leisure leisure is supposed to be an end in and of itself
1: I'm not saying it's a means to an end. I'm pointing out the there's other effects and fruits from it apart from the goodness of it. Right, itself. but if you
0: actually believed it was an end in and of itself, you would have made that argument already. No, I do think it is. Something about lifting things up and putting them down is good. Wait, but you have to make that argument. Okay, I just did. That's not an argument, that's a statement.
1: Okay, what what okay, what makes um a, a activity
0: <laughs> leisure? It creates it leads us towards worship and rest is I, I'm not probably being super technical on that right now, but sure. that's that's, but that's we're just, we're just BSing we're, about <laughs> yeah, Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: And I think like when you say that, it's about entering into uh rest. Um and it's also like there's something about um reconnecting with your own body in that way um that seems uh primal in a spiritual sense. So I definitely think it's rest. Okay. I definitely feel like in some way it's entering into god's rest um now like i said it depends on the kind of weightlifting and the kind of manual labor right Mm -hmm.
0: i I bet you anything there's people screaming in their cars right now saying why aren't you using this argument or that argument for or against which is good that's what this should be doing i know i'm missing (laughs) something here but my brain's not going to it so i will give you this one
1: Okay, well, maybe we should just uh, end with a response that Father Steve Grunau uh, gave. Okay. And he simply responds, stop all this musing and just pick that barbell off the floor.
0: <laughs> that sounds like something he would say.
1: And, and something about that seems like the right response to this conversation.
0: <laughs> he works with Bishop Barron. Like, he should know musing is at the heart of everything.
1: Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Who, I
0: don't know. Whom's this to say? Comst cool. is to say. All right. Well, let's, let, let's head into uh, Presbyteral Exhortations.
1: And now it
0: is time for
1: Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. Gonna learn so it's my favorite part. Oh. It's the oh. best part. Yes. 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 Quite. Quite. Yes.
0: Quite. All right. So this is going to be a little we're going to walk around a few things here and um i've i want to start off before i kind of get into things with two caveats first is there is a theological basis to what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about demons and parishes and cultures and how the spiritual world really is imbued in the work of the physical our creative our created world um because I think it's an important thing to talk about. It's something I've been musing on a lot lately. And it's something, so I've been reading, so I've been reading this book, but, but before I, yeah. So there is a theological basis to what we're going to talk about. I'm not, I haven't got that, that framework worked out yet. So mm-hmm. that'll be another episode. What we'll, we'll give we're today, we're going to give you the, the lived reality. And in, maybe in a few months time, we'll give you the theological basis for that, because I think it's important because there is the problem, right? Like, we have a hard time seeing spiritual realities today, right? We have a hard time being aware and perceiving that there are spiritual realities at work in this, in the created physical world. Um, so I've been reading this book here. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you read out the title because I know you want to say the guy who's written about his name.
1: So it's, uh, the apocalypse of wisdom. Very cool title by,
0: Louis Boyer. No, 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 no! You missed this. No, no. That actually, the that's the author.
1: Oh, the 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 author is Keith Lemna, right. which is not nearly as fun. Oh, it's Louis Boyer's
0: theological recovery of the it's cosmos. That's right. right. So yes, so I've been reading this book. This is my day of rest book. This is the book I, read. <laughs> <laughs> which I know, I know, I know. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. But it's actually been super no, fascinating. Don't get me wrong.
1: Your joy, your joy brings me
0: joy. Uh, I will also say though that actually reading this. It's actually. I'm like, oh, this is actually going to be good for my doctoral thesis, um, which is not what I intended. Because I just want. To, I just want to read it just for its own sake. I'm trying to enter into. I'm trying to enter into leisure on my Mondays, mm. and so I think that's important. And so I try to keep Mondays sacrosanct. And I and part of that is I'm going to read stuff that I'm not reading the rest of the week, mm. and it's been super enjoyable. Um, so I've been reading this book because I want a theological like the whole. Po- it's essentially an invest- a theological investigation of Bouyer's book on cosmology called cosmos and cosmology is the idea that the spiritual and physical realm is all in an interplay with each other and in a dramatic tension and stuff with each other in all of our lives and so i'm like and and he the whole point of the book is to try and find a kind of a way to take the ancient christian tradition of cosmology and look at it and, and bring it into conversation with modernity, not to make it modern, but rather to say, how can we answer modern critiques about cosmology? Because modernity likes to look at things just through a physical lens. Um, it looks at, it, it's everything's about dissecting things apart and, and um, tearing them apart. It's all about, it's very physicalist, and that matter doesn't really communicate real things. It's like, you know, my body doesn't really communicate my person. Right? Mm-hmm. Hence stuff like transgenderism, which sees a, a real disassociation between my inner self and my outer self. This, right. is all, this is all within the context of modernity and post-modernity. So it's hard then to talk about the worldview that demons are real and they're mm-hmm. roaming the earth. Yes. <laughs> and that is a hard thing to say today. It sounds superstitious. It sounds mythical. It sounds um, unreasonable. And it sounds fanatical. And yeah. to an extent, I can understand why people wouldn't even think that even in the life of the church, because sometimes some people get very obsessive about this stuff and all they want to talk about is demons, which is unhealthy as you and I both know. And we've, yes. ta- we've talked about some of this stuff before. We've talked about possession and stuff like that way back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And you've had experiences with this stuff and I've had experiences with this stuff. Sure. But I want to kind of talk about like, I'm of the opinion that... Like I said, they're real and roaming the earth and roaming our cities and towns. Yeah. And that we need to be more aware of these things. You know, St. Paul talks about the fact that we are at war with principalities and powers. What he means by that is demons, (laughs) essentially (laughs) fallen angels who are part of our cosmology. So like the reason I'm talking about cosmology rather than creation is is for a few reasons. And I'm going to get this is a little theological reflection on my part that I think we need to talk about. Angels are created beings. Correct. Okay. Pure spirit, no body. If angels are created beings, then there is a real distinction between God and the rest of creation, right? It's what we call it like, yeah. in St. Augustine's terms to use a fancy philosophical term. This is what we call universal hylomorphism, right? That Say every... that
1: one more time slower.
0: Universal hylomorphism. The idea that's that the $20 every... word. The, the idea that everything that's created shares in being in the, in the idea of created being and that, that that makes the real distinction between God and the rest of creation. And so angels are actually part of our cosmology. I think I actually mentioned this a bit before on our podcast that, so then this means then the fall of the angels has an effect on our created order. There's yeah. a real ripple effect here mm-hmm. because we are, we are part of that created hierarchy, et cetera. So when the angels fall, they have a real impact on, on, on things. And I, I, my personal theory, this is personal, Theological theory, this is not doctrine of the church, is that Adam and Eve were created to rescue heaven and earth from the reign and power of Satan. Mm. And that they were to do this by offering worship to God through sacrifice. I think I've mentioned this before. I think we did this on Theology of the Body once. I think we did, yeah. It's yeah. uh
1: <clears throat> it's delightful. Because then it, it that I mean, the reason why I like it is because it kind of encapsulates or, or, or it just seems fitting with the priestly nature of human beings just exactly. in their own being. Um, and then it, that kind of brings a, a different kind of clarity or perspective on the temptation and mm-hmm. the fall uh, mm-hmm. and like to obey or not to obey, um, to stand up to temptation, even threatening temptation from the serpent, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, while it's not, it's, it's, I think it's neat. Is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I think it's neat too. And, I, and it, for me, it's how I'm using it like a, as a kind of Christocentric lens. Like how Jesus yes. enters the world is meant to inform how we understand man's mission into the world. Right. And what does what yeah. Jesus come to do? Like, what's his principal mission? To save. To what? To save? Yeah, to save. To but be save us from what? To, Father, oh, to save, to, to save can us can from what, it. though? To save us from what? Um, sin and the powers of hell right exactly so this is the thing jesus the devil is an actual reality and that he has an effect on this world and its reign and that he is kind of the prince of this world as we kind of like to say and and so if this is the case then that means the devil and his minions if you will have are roaming the earth seeking the ruin of souls as we like to say in the saint michael prayer Now, in all this, I'm also not trying to like... I don't want to try and create people like a hyper fear around this. I'm trying to bring about a spiritual reality because I've actually come to notice this. I think in some ways that every area of the world is under the sway of some sort of particular spirit. And in my experience as a priest, the more I ponder... The reality of people's um, people's spiritual struggles, people's um, people's attitudes—who are even practicing Catholics—I can't help but see the reign of the evil one at work. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like like even in the way sometimes people's physical um, manifestation is. Sometimes, like there is a – not now. By the way, in all this, I'm not saying people are possessed. Okay, no. what I'm saying is that though we fall under the sway of principalities and powers, and that spirit, there are real, there are spirits at work in the world. Sometimes I would even say, in particular countries, in particular towns, etc. Um, yeah. Because I've even noticed that different towns and cities, like I'm still, my I'm still uh, pondering this. But I have, I have some insights into this parish, not this parish, but this town, I should say, and its spirit that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And that I'm pretty sure I know what the one was in the last town, and they're real things. And how they manifest and take over a whole people, and people aren't spiritually aware to recognize how the evil one is trying to draw them away from Christ's reign. And you see it. So, like, let's say, let's say you're in a place where there's a strong spirit of rebellion. Mm-hmm. You see it in their face. There's constant anger, um, judgmentalism, um, um, hubris, all these sorts of ma- – and it even gets manifested physically, right? And I can't help but wonder and see the devil at work. Yeah.
1: I don't know. So I'm thinking. I don't know if- yeah, no, no, no. I'm thinking of a few things. Uh, yeah. One, I'm thinking about the uh, about the Book of Revelation and the angels uh, over the other communities. Um, mm-hmm. and yes, so exactly. If, if there's certain angels who are kind of um, uh, protecting communities, it would kind of make sense that there are enemies attacking those communities. Um, I'm also thinking of Saint Ignatius of Loyola and one of his later. Um, I don't know if it's Rule Eight or Nine. It's one of the later rules. Uh, that first group of rules of discernment where he talks about how the enemy is kind of like this tactician right. and he he kind of circles around the stronghold uh, of your soul looking for the weak points. And uh, I think different communities have different weak points, different things that right. uh, they are more uh, susceptible to fall to. And it would make sense then that the enemy would attack those areas in a specific way. Um, so I don't think it's like, and I don't think it's what you're saying, but just a... You know, uh, talking yeah, about no,
0: it. no, I think I think, and what, what you're getting yeah. at there is, is part of this is, I think part of how we can become more attuned to this reality is stop seeing our humanity in kind of an atomized way, where the devil only cares about me, he's only after me. It's like no, we like for example, in a particular city, there's often a shared culture, mm-hmm. a shared way of being in a particular yeah. place. Place matters in how we form identity, not just individually but as a community, so that when we allow uh when so the so when that happens all of us are going to be very susceptible to the same things over and over again and so that's why i'm talking about like this kind of more if you will like a citywide kind of spirit because it's a it, there's a shared culture and like you're saying that the evil one the evil spirit is looking for different kinks in the armor to kind of get in And so that's going to be something that people are going to share in common, not because of any um, intention on their part. It's just, this is the way of being in this town. And so there is a common thread that should be, that should be done there. And so I, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to get at with all this is the devil is, I mean, he's conniving and he's smart, obviously, and he's, trying to draw us away from God sometimes in ways we might not even be aware of. And, okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of, um, because I've encountered, once you said this,
1: I immediately started thinking of things that happened in the different parishes I've been at. Yeah. And I was thinking of um, uh, one parish I was at briefly as a seminarian. Um, The the short version of the story is that a well-beloved, well, he was beloved, but also kind of a polarizing figure in that community, not a priest, um, had been stealing incredible amounts of money from the parish. Mm -hmm. So, when this was discovered, uh, the the parish became incredibly fractured because there were some who didn't believe it, some who thought it was a setup, um, some who had always disliked this person and were outraged by it. And uh, my pastor there uh, was a very good holy priest uh, and still is and he also is someone who has dealt with um, a lot of uh, house blessing cases. Mm-hmm. He was actually the one who introduced me to um, the guy in our diocese who takes care of the more extraordinary uh, evils that happen in, in uh, the, uh, the diocese. Um, so he was aware of this, you know, both sides, or he was aware of this uh, tradition and understanding the church as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he would talk about how, like, some members of the parish council had kind of not lost their minds, But you could tell they weren't quite themselves, not not possession or anything like that, but had so given in to either anger or division or doubt that he could very much feel that there was a spiritual attack on top of what was an ordinary tragedy, right? Right. Um, And so, one of the things that he did, he was very nervous about this meeting uh, uh, and he really wanted to be fruitful, he wanted for it to be a healing thing, and one of the things he did is that he made sure he had sprinkled uh, exercise salt uh, across all the uh, doorways uh, mm-hmm. of the meeting room. Yep. Um, and, uh, and he had also prayed about this a lot and also bringing his own pastoral wisdom to the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was shocked at how calm the meeting was about how the one person he was specifically worried about was uh, was calmer than he had ever seen him. And I think you saw him attacking this problem From multiple aspects, um, Mm -hmm. from the human, from uh, the pastoral to the spiritual. Right. And because he was able to see that this isn't just a human problem, the enemy is also attacking us in our weakened space. Yeah. He was able to bring more healing to that community. Um, So, that was the first thing um, Hmm. I thought of. But like, yeah, you definitely experience this among some people um, where... Like I said, it's not like a possession or something, but they've either given so much into despair or anger or even communities or groups. Um, You talk to anyone uh, who's worked in parish ministry for um, five years or so, and I bet they have a story of people who are actively and in an organized way trying to tear apart the church. You know, Mm -hmm. parishioners, people who would go to mass. And that signals to me something more than just your regular old sin. That signals to me a spiritual attack on top of whatever else is going on. So those are the things I thought of as you were speaking.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, this. Is what I'm glad you brought up St. Ignatius because um, part of what St. Ignatius does is he calls it, he doesn't, he always calls it the evil spirit. Yeah. Right? He does this on purpose and I think he actually helps us to have a healthy balance to this. Hmm. Ultimately, the devil is kind of At the root cause of all this, but an evil spirit is not necessarily always like a demonic personality per se, Mm -hmm. but rather the influence and effect culturally and humanly in society that finds its root and cause in Satan. Mm -hmm. So like, like, so for example, in like deliverance ministry, they often will get you to renounce different spirits. This is not saying you've attached yourself to a particular demon, but that you've attached yourself to a particular lie that Satan has kind of rooted in your life. This like, so like when we hear that word spirit, we shouldn't think of like a particular demon per se, although it would find its root cause in a particular demon. Um, but rather that it's that's 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 the influence of that particular demon or something like that, who's ro- yeah. who's roaming in a quiet way to subtly move us away from the gospel, and so like and I think what you're talking about, like that pastor's kind of solution about the exercise salt is just so valid because essentially like the whole point of bringing this up is to say, in our parishes, we're going to always encounter rebellion, we're always mm-hmm. going to encounter division, we're always going to encounter different agendas. And part of the response to that is going to be a kind of, I don't want, when I use the word political, I don't mean it in kind of like the modern American political sense, but rather in the sense of like, you know, there is a, there is something to push forward here. And that's the gospel. And some people, Mm -hmm. sometimes some people knowingly, some people unknowingly are pushing against the gospel. And so there is politics there, but that's only one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is, is what you can call like, and I, I, I hesitate to use it only because it gets kind of militarized too often in a, in a very weird way in some circles, but spiritual warfare is a real thing. We are at war with principalities and powers. Our whole mission in Christ is as priests, prophets and Kings. And therefore we are lifted up into Jesus's attack, if you will, on the stronghold of the devil, because he is the King of sin. And so it, the only way for sin to end definitively is for Christ to, in His body, overcome sin definitively, which is through the church. So we have a p- role and a participation to play in this, to uh, to seek out holiness and to start discerning in our examinations of conscience how we give into different spirits. Yeah, because we may not recognize how we give into the spirit of anger or jealousy or greed they may not be a particular demon working at us it's just the effects of satan in the world that have sway over us and we need to start repenting of them quickly and 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 in in a very robust way but the th- the third element before I, I kind of let you say something is is yeah, sure. is um so you have you have the that kind of spiritual warfare but you also have like using Using the things the church has given us to fight these things, which is things like exercise, salt, holy water, etc., these actually have a real benefit because, especially, priests I think are kind of like I'm not trying to lift us up too much to say it, but like we are kind of in a way, mini christs in the church there to wage war for particular souls, mm-hmm. and we have to have a care and a passion. For particular souls i will give you a small example from my pastoral work is that sometimes i've known some people we have a couple sspx chapels in our diocese yeah and some people are like in different really different reasons decide to start going there and i would even say a few weeks ago i'd be like ah whatever you know they've made their own bed yeah and i'm like that is not fatherly care yeah why would i want them to go into schism Yeah. Now, obviously, in the end, they make their own choice, and I can't do anything about that, but I ought to be doing more spiritually uh, to actually care for that. And so it's my job as a priest to really go to the fight, the spiritual fight, to actually wrestle their soul back into communion with the church, which means using, like, hey, go to those SSBX chapels and sprinkle them with holy water or something. I don't know. Like, I, I'm, actually, I'm, still, I'm still kind of pondering <laughs> Interesting. this. I'm still pondering that's, this. Uh, I'm still that's pondering this, of, this a little bit, right? Yeah. Because it's like... But even
1: if it's not like, okay, yeah, yeah
0: obviously sacramentals,
1: yeah. Um, blessed salt, and that sort of thing is a powerful thing. But even, um, so let's say um, I've got a meeting with uh, the ushers of a parish. Yeah. And we, we have to change some things. And I know that they're going to be difficult about this. Right. And for all kinds of reasons okay um it'd be very easy for me to fall to an attack of the enemy yes and to fall into temptation and to like you know what i'm gonna bring the hammer down on these old men and i'm gonna show them who's boss and i'm gonna be no 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 no, no. that's me falling to an attack exactly and so like before big meetings do i go to personal prayer uh, during the day, do I ask the Lord, Lord, like purify my desires? Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I am personally very angry about this situation, but I need you to do the good work that you need to do through me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, purify me first. So, even just like taking a step back and praying about these things. And also, it's important to remember that um, Satan doesn't just go after the weaknesses uh, and the weak points. If there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if something really good is happening in your your parish, the enemy is going to try to plant weeds Mm -hmm. in that as well. Um, So, uh, and there can be a temptation like, oh, wow, you know, we really felt a movement by the Holy Spirit to focus, um, let's say on a, uh, a, you know, adult faith formation and you begin doing a really good job with it, but then you begin to get kind of prideful about the thing you're doing. There's a pride in uh, the parish and not so much in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. that you take more and more of the success for yourself. And then in very small ways, little by little, what you're forming is not a community for Christ, but a community for your own brand. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're just a really good teacher and people like, oh, they compliment you all the time. And then you begin to rely more and more on your own skill and your own willpower instead of listening to what the spirit wants. And like that's a way that the enemy attacks too.
0: Absolutely. So, he'll go
1: after like not just weak points but like uh, try to um, throw in like these
0: little bits of poison even into the good things you're doing to try to undermine them. When I would say this is especially why priests do need a lot of prayer is because they are kind of the head of the local church there. And so Satan's going to strike at the head always. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to, that's why we need the prayer. It's not because like we're more special or anything. It's just like, no, we're more vulnerable to attack because we're the ones who can be Christ's main way to help bring unity and holiness into a parish. And, And like in all of this, I'm saying all this because I think, I guess I'm just trying to say like we need to start attuning ourselves to the fact that spiritual realities are real. Yeah. And we have like, and it, to that extent, and like, I'm not trying to, I, I, I'm trying to be careful here in that I'm not trying to say like things like psychology and stuff are bad because they're not. They're actually a real good service to the church. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is that we tend to over psychologize our weaknesses and mm-hmm. our temptations and the things that can go wrong in our lives and think, oh, well, that's just, that's just this weakness in me. Or we can over spiritualize it and just say it's all the devil. And right, the whole point yeah. the whole point in all this is that if you start to attune yourself and say, the evil one is always try- at work to try and bring about the ruin of my soul and the soul of others. So how can I become more attuned to Christ's way of thinking and seeing so that I can be aware of these realities and see them clearly? But also, secondly, um, how can I... Um, and then asking Christ to come in to give you the strength to fight against them. Um, yeah. We just need to like, I don't know, the Bible, the New Testament, when you start to read it, Paul especially just talks about principalities and powers and all sorts of things so often.
1: Yeah, like all and the time, yeah.
0: We are we as modern people tend to just poo-poo that and say, hey, that was a nice mythical way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But it's not, and I recognize that as modern people, it is hard. It's harder to see this. And I don't know why I've been attuned to that. But like, like it's weird. I don't know. Every time I go into a new parish, it's like I become very quickly aware of what the reigning spirit is. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's like it's like it's like, okay, now I know what I need to do to fight against this spirit. Yeah. And and that's a good thing. Because that's what a priest yeah, should definitely. do. Like so, I'm hoping that the priests who listen will start taking this stuff more seriously, because we really and it's but don't but don't do it in like an excessive, scary way where you're just like you see the devil everywhere in all things. That's not how he works. He's too he's too subtle and powerful and conniving to to do things that way. Rather, well, I think you, yeah,
1: yeah I think you ahead. mentioned
0: the key to it is this clinging to Christ. Yeah, it's exactly. A sticking to prayer.
1: It's helping, like, Lord, help me to see as you see. Exactly. Um, it's because, yeah, because one of the the tricks he uses, if we get real excited about spiritual warfare and I'm gonna take the fight to the enemy, you're already playing the enemy's game. Exactly. Like you're you're playing the totally wrong game. Um, it's to it's to cling to Christ to stay close to Him to allow Him to be the one to fight. Um, for you to listen more and more to the movements of the Spirit. And one of those uh, gifts of the Spirit will be discernment of spirits as well, yeah. so that you are more aware of what's going on. And right. then you, you know, uh, ask Christ to enter into this, or Christ to purify this, um, or the power of the cross to work mm-hmm. this. You know, um, that's, that's the key, to keep things Christ-centered.
0: Exactly. So there's, there's two things I want to kind of close out with in regards to that. And the first... Is like it, for the this week we started the cycle in during weekday masses of reading first Corinthians, right? Yeah. And the first three chapters is Paul talking about kind of the spiritual vision of things. Um and he kind of he kind of pits it against flesh. He's not saying the body's bad, he's talking about our fallen nature when he talks about flesh. But he's saying we need right. to become more spiritual in our thinking. In other words, we need to we've received the gift of the spirit of God to see things through God's eyes. And so and he's setting the stage to speak against a particular spirit at work in the Corinthian community, which is the spirit of division, mm-hmm. right? Why, some say I'm for Paul. Others say I'm for Apollos. Still others say I'm for Caiaphas. Yeah. He says, no, we are all of the one work of Christ. He's saying, so you ha- you've been given this gift of spiritual vision, but you're working in a fallen. In a- and when we hear the word fallen for St. Paul, he means other the domain of Satan and death. Yeah, You're working under a fallen view of things, and you got to stop seeing things that way. You need to be you need to recognize the gift that you've been given in Christ, but this is the second thing, and I think this is a special note for priests i haven't i would say I haven't lived it out yet, but it's something I think the Lord needs to prepare our hearts for more and more. How do mm-hmm. I put I don't think there's a gentle way to put it. There's only one way Jesus overcame the power of Satan and death the cross the cross death. yeah, yeah. To reign, to bring about the end of the reign of sin and death in the life of your people, you have to be crucified. Now, yeah. I will say this: like this is actually, I, I want to tie in a little bit for my homily last weekend, where Jesus is talking about taking up your cross. The whole point of taking up your cross is not just to suffer for the sake of suffering, and I think no. too often we see suffering in the cross that way. John Paul II's um, bit in *God, I mean it's best, chap- paragraph 24, that man cannot find himself except through a sincere gift of self, I think is mm-hmm. the lens through which we should read the cross. The self-offering, this being crucified, especially for us priests, is actually a gift of love, right? It is, I am giving myself freely to you, which will involve suffering and death, but that's actually not the primary thing I'm doing. The primary thing I'm doing is I'm giving myself away so that you can live, because that's what lo- love is. And so it's, it's the cross is actually, it's imbued with kind of positive value more than, than the negative of, uh, or at least the perceived negativeness of suffering and death. The cross Mm -hmm. is a gift of love. And so if we can start to see the cross this way as priests, we can start to embrace it more and to see, even to go around seeking it out so that we can with Christ be crucified with him so that the, so that those whom we serve and love can be brought to life and away from the reign of Satan and death. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely agree. And that's sometimes that's, I mean, it's so easy as a priest to forget that and to be caught up in just either the terrible day you had or just all the difficulties you're going through or the difficulties of uh, parishioners. And you forget, like, that's part of who you are as a priest. Um, mm-hmm. And not to run away from that suffering, but to ask Christ for his love so that you can... Um, that... Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how do I want to put it? Um, Christ's love took the form of the cross because of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it was how it's it's how love looks like in a fallen world. But love mm-hmm. is the reason for it. Exactly. Um, and and love can actually help you even love the cross, not for the cross itself but because that was how the outpouring of a spirit, that's how salvation happens. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's very easy. It's like a, it's a small distinction, but it's such a critical and crucial one. Right. Um, because if you embrace the cross without Christ or suffering just for the sake of suffering, um, that leads to, to bitterness, to anger, to right. despondency, um, to all these bad spirits. Um, exactly. It's keeping love at the center of it.
0: Uh, the... The, um, it was actually really cool. What hit me at the consecration at my third mass that weekend, it was like they got the words of an institution, this is my body given for you. He, mm-hmm. Jesus is not saying this is my body suffering for you. This is my body dying for you. This yeah. is my body given. It's a yep. self offering and that this is the form th- and that's the form of the cross, which yes, it takes on suffering and death because that's the thing that needs to be redeemed. But ultimately, this those things are see, are seen through the lens of divine love that gives itself away, and that's like. And so, when you can live that out for your people in this in this kind of spiritual warfare, you are willing to even be crucified by your people because sometimes they will be agents, if you will, of these different spirits that you're trying to overcome, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. okay. And that's okay, and we need to come to peace with that. Like, I mean, that the heart, I mean, it's a total different thing. But we all this is why, like, in a way, I mean, listen, priests, we love, we love you. We want to hang out with you. We want to get to know you. But we're not there to be your friend. We're there to be the vic. We're there to be pastors, to be Christ's instruments that bring you to, whole, to heaven, and you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I agree with that, but I think it's also important to
1: just make a distinction there. Like it's not saying that friendship is impossible. Right. But, yeah, there exactly. no fr- th- but there can be no friend but there can be a kind of friendship that ends up being a a selfishness on the part exactly. of the priest. Exactly. Exactly. Where I'm I'm more concerned about everyone liking me rather than loving my people right. and speaking the truth to them in a loving manner. So that kind of like false friendship is rejected.
0: Yeah, or it's the thing you talked about earlier, right? This idea of friendship as I just want the priest to pump him for information or to get my way in the parish, right? That's not real right. friendship. Real friend, like friendship occurs because it's like friendship happens in family too amongst parents and children. They spend time together. They do things together. Yeah. But in the end, there is also the distinction that you are my parents. And so it's mm-hmm. the same thing with the priest. You are the priest who's there to look after the good of my soul. And so I trust you enough, and we've grown in a relationship of love enough to know that when I, if I go astray, you're going to call me back because you love me.
1: Yeah. So it's really right. a true friendship. Yeah. That takes a different form because you are father.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. So we talked about last week that we got some pretty cool news coming up. Yeah. And like, everyone guessed wrong. Yeah. I'm actually surprised no one guessed it. I was actually. Um, I, some people got close. I will admit. Yeah. I saw sure. some close guesses. Yes. They were in the same vicinity, but they weren't. No no one actually guessed it. I I was actually shocked.
1: Well, I mean, that goes to show you just how big a deal this uh, is going to be in a few weeks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, like, the fact that we got Jesus Christ himself to come on the podcast, it's pretty amazing.
1: Absolutely. Well, indeed, we're we're (laughs) two or more gathered, and if you're not gathered with someone while (laughs) listening to a podcast, and I don't know what... uh, Exactly
0: uh, no, <laughs> um, <but> yeah <laughs> so we will. So, so next is gonna week'
1: come with all of his angels and his saints, but first,
0: is you were in court an episode of clerically speaking, that's right. Um. <laughs> so no, next week, we will tell you we are going to tell you what the secret news is okay, uh, that's exciting. but I think we, we need to we need to keep everyone in suspension for for one more week.
1: I think that's fair,
0: yeah. I and because being
1: like that that waiting is a kind of loving suffering. It's a it's a preparation. It's a an expanding of the heart. And even though that expanding of the heart is a painful process because it's being stretched out, it's preparing you for a gift. By exactly. opening your heart wider, you receive a greater gift. Amen. So it's not that we enjoy like trolling you or anything. No, not at all. That's not the reasoning at all. It's we're preparing your hearts for this um
0: gift that is about to be bestowed. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you can find your podcasts. Please like us, subscribe, leave a review. Please leave us a review. Those things really help get the podcast out there more. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast and tell your enemies too because Jesus says you must love your enemies. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. You can find me learning how to become a subdeacon in the liturgy. You can find the podcast at ClericalPod on Twitter. You can email us, clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Clerically Speaking. We'll see you next week. God bless. Peace.